do, I'll just remind you that uh, today's message is the third part of a series on the mission of the United Methodist Church. You know that the United Methodist Church has a mission statement. If you've been here over the last couple of Sundays, you've heard it once or twice in here. And in fact, the first part of the message, I warned you that you probably would have it burned in your mind by the time we were done today. And the mission of the United Methodist Church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. So just for fun, since we've been repeating things together today, how about would you say that again with me, that the mission of the United Methodist Church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Amen. So that, that first part, making disciples of Jesus Christ, uh, we spent the first Sunday exploring what that means in terms of making new disciples. That, in fact, that is what we call the Great Commission. That those are the words of Jesus to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them my ways to follow me. And Jesus said, I'll go with you. So it is. A part of our identity as an organization or an organism, if you will, a living organism, that we exist to make new disciples. Not that we can necessarily make somebody believe or follow Jesus, but we can certainly make sure that what we do and how we do it is conducive to that, to the Spirit of God doing that, to people coming to faith in Christ, making new disciples. And then the corollary for it we addressed last week was then making deeper disciples. So it's not sufficient just to say to make new disciples, but then that we have about us and what we do and how we do it, that we have the opportunities and the means for people to grow deeper in their faith. That we would all be lifelong, humble learners, students of Jesus together. And putting those two things together then, make disciples for Jesus Christ. Today we'll dive into the last part of the mission statement, which is for the transformation of the world. And it's worth noting, it's not for the transformation of me, or the transformation of us, or even the transformation of people, but the transformation of the world. And there's a great place in the Scriptures in 2 Corinthians where we read about what this transformation looks like. How it happens in us and among us. And so I want to read that for us today from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 19. And we're going to put it on the screen so you can follow along as I read it aloud. This is what it says. So then, from this point on... We don't recognize people by human standards. Even though we used to know Christ by human standards, that isn't how we know Him now. So then, if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of the new creation. The old things have gone away, and look, new things have arrived. All of these new things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, 
God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ by not counting people's sins against them. He has trusted us with this message of reconciliation. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In those few verses, I think, are contained a recipe, if you will, for transformation. And the recipe is new creation and reconciliation. Together give us transformation. And indeed, the transformation of the world. And what Paul writes to us is that when we are in Christ, we are a new creation. And I puzzled on that just for a minute, just the thought of being in Christ and what that means to us, what it would mean to you or to me to say, to believe, to live, that we are in Christ. And something that occurred to me was that it's similar to being in the sun. Maybe it's because it's been 95 degrees lately and it feels like we're in the sun all the time. But specifically, I think about what it means to step out into the sun. Say from inside or from when it was dark. You know, to to step out into the sun and be in the sun. And all that that feels like and means and allows us to see. And to take it a step further, particularly, I guess, for Paul's example, I was thinking about moments when it's drastic when we step out into the sun from inside. And one that came to mind is when you go to a movie during the daytime. Has anybody ever been to a movie during the day? Maybe now it's summertime, your kids are out of school, that might be something you do, uh, and you can take them to a movie at noon or at two in the afternoon. But you know, you go into the theater, and you're in there for a few hours in that contained environment. It's usually cool and dark, and you know, it's all sort of set up just so And then when you leave the theater after the movie's over, you know that moment when you walk out the door and your foot hits out in the sun and it hits you? You can't see anything and your whole body has to adjust to this new environment from what you've just been in? I kind of think that's what Paul's writing about when he talks about us being in Christ. It's like stepping out of that dark theater and being in the sun. Coming out of that cold, dark environment where everything's sort of created and almost manipulated, you know, the environment around you, and you've been receiving this crafted message for a couple of hours, whatever it might be, and paying way too much for a Coke and popcorn and and I don't know, they, they must pump that place with oxygen or something. It's just, it's an odd environment that we sit in for a little while in a movie theater. But then, and then you step out into the sun. Into the big, open, bright environment that God created for us. Maybe you get to feel a breeze blow or you hear the birds chirping and you see the life around you and You know, you step out into the sun. And I think that's what Paul's saying. When we're in Christ, we're part of the new creation. 
By the way, some translations say if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. This translation, the Common English Bible says if you're in Christ, you're part of the new creation. I don't know if you hear the nuance there, but there's something more to it than just, hey, I'm new, it's about me. But it's that we're part of something new. Something bigger than us. That God is doing in life and in the world. We're part of this new creation. This fresh, unprecedented experience of life and of living that God created us for. That when we are in Christ, we are part of this new creation because God is doing something new. God is always doing new things in us and among us and around us. And Paul is capturing our imagination to give us a vision for this new thing, this new creation that God is bringing to bear in us. I might go so far as to say... If you don't have a vision for the new thing that God is doing now, today, then it might be time to catch a new vision. Because God is doing something new. God is bringing something new even now to life in our world and in us. And it looks like the life and ministry of Jesus. It looks like his example and his teachings, his way of being and existing in the world. It's characterized by justice and mercy, by forgiveness and hope, by love and joy. It is God's loving arms thrown wide open for everybody everywhere. This is the new creation. Which is why we don't see each other according to human standards, is what Paul said. We see each other differently than that. We see each other with godly eyes. We see each other with godly hearts. We see one another's hearts, one another's spirits, souls. This is how we engage and interact with each other as part of the new creation in Christ. Just to be blunt and simple about it, the the human standards by which we live and operate would say, I'll be nice to you when you change your behavior. But we know that's not the way God sees us. We know that's not the way Jesus sees us or interacted or engaged with us. But rather in Christ, as a part of this new creation, I'm going to be kind to you because that's who Jesus is. Because that's how God loves me and you. Then we will love one another the same way. As a part of this new creation, it's not so much that other people need to change, it's that I change. 
He said, I, how I see people changes. How I treat other people changes. To be more in the likeness and the image of Jesus. So that the new creation is a living out today of Jesus' way. And in his day, that was about lepers and prostitutes and tax collectors. In our day, it's about lesbians and immigrants and addicts. That we live out this calling as a part of a new creation. And I said that this recipe for the transformation of the world is new creation and reconciliation. And so, keeping that recipe metaphor, if the new creation is the ingredients, then the reconciliation is how we cook them up. To bring about and be a part of transformation in our world. Because Paul says, this new creation, all that God has given us and is giving us, and that we are living into and living out this new creation, all of it is a part of God's reconciling ministry in the world. That in fact, that is what God is doing. God is reconciling the whole world to Himself through Christ. And God is doing so by not counting our sins against us. Fam, that's the good news of the gospel in one sentence. God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ by not counting our sins against us. And God has given us that ministry. That message of reconciliation. God has called us to a reconciling ministry in the world. I don't know what reconciling or reconciliation means to you, but for somebody whose background is finance and worked for an accounting firm and loves spreadsheets and things like that, reconciling for me means making the balances match. Like, I remember this discipline of taking my checkbook. I know you don't know what a checkbook is, but it's where you used to record your checks that you wrote. Checks were things that you gave people in exchange, you know, in, for goods and services. It was, it was kind of like Venmo on paper. And, and I remember reconciling the checkbook to the bank statement that came every month. Anybody? Like, I mean, you, you, you made sure the balances matched. That was reconciling. And, and if they didn't match, then you had to figure out why they didn't match. What went wrong in there somewhere? Did, did you miss a check, or did you record something wrong, or did you transpose numbers? I know some of y'all have already checked out on me, and that's fine. But, but some of you haven't. Some of you have leaned in when I started talking about reconciling your bank statements. Yeah. While we're at it, just a little trick when it comes to reconciling. And, and transposing numbers, uh, did you know that if, if your difference in your balance, uh, that, say between you know, the bank statement and your checkbook, if the difference in your balance is evenly divisible by nine, 
then it means you may have transposed numbers somewhere. It's a good way to find your, yeah, yeah, you're welcome for anybody that still does that. I know, I care too much about this and know too much about it, but, but hey, man, when you're reconciling those statements and those accounts, sometimes it's easy to find the error or the difference or the mistake. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. See, this is the ministry that God is doing in us, in our world, and among us. It's a ministry of reconciliation. It's bringing the world into balance with God, into harmony with God and with one another. It's finding and identifying and knowing and seeing and naming any and every place where it's broken and off and missing and messed up and covering all of that with the blood of Jesus Christ. So that all is forgiven. Our sins are not counted against us. And the books are right. God is reconciling the world to himself through Jesus. And has given you and me this ministry of reconciliation. Of harmony. Of bringing into peace and alignment our world with God. As a part of the new creation. And in doing that, we experience God's transformation. The transformation of the world. Paul says God has trusted us. Trusted us with this ministry. Of reconciliation. In our world today. And I don't have a long history to draw on in my own personal life. Maybe some of you have more than I do. But as I look around our world today, my God, do we need reconciliation? Do we need the bringing together? The setting right? The throwing the arms wide open in love? For everyone and anyone in the name of Jesus Christ. And not counting people's sins against them. Can I just say a word in the church about not shooting our wounded. But in moments when people are hurting and broken. It's when we hold them closest and tightest. This is who we are. This is our identity. This is our mission in the United Methodist Church to be about a new creation and transformation in the world. And that starts in a lot of ways right here. I'm going to say right here that those of us in this room could be reconciled to one another. In the name of Jesus Christ, And in us and among us and through us and from us, a ministry of reconciliation goes out into Huntley Hills and Sexton Woods and Shambly and Brookhaven and Dunwoody. And the transformation of the world continues on more and more, deeper and deeper. And when Emily and I first got here, we made made an intentional effort to talk to people who were new to the church. 
Don't get me wrong. Yes, there is a lot of value in talking to people who've been here in this church a long time. And this is their church and they grew up here and they know the history and they know the roots and all that kind of stuff. There's value there. There's also a different kind of value in talking to people who are new to the church, who've recently made a decision to come and be a part of this community of faith. And we asked why. Why did you want to do that? And regularly we heard some version of, well, it's close to the city. It's inside 285. And the people here love each other. And they're loving and kind and welcoming and embraced us when we showed up. And it felt like home. Which at a very basic level is us participating in this new creation and in this reconciliation that brings about transformation in people's lives and in our world, which brings me to the image that's on the screen. Because out of having those conversations, we started to talk about that around the office a little bit, just the feedback we were getting from people, why they were making Shambly Methodist their church home, their faith community, and the fact that we were hearing from people that it was home in the city for them. And so Rachel Mikesell, one of our very own, uh, heard that and she put pen to paper and came up with that illustration just as a way to sort of encapsulate in an image what it looks like to be home in the city for people. As a place and a way that we could be a part of God's transformational work right here. We've even been putting it on some of the stuff that we've used at the concert series just as a way to sort of get that message and that feel and that vibe out into our community a little bit more. Just like I asked, if you're part of a, over the last couple of weeks, I asked if you're part of a group, a a team, a committee, a class, uh, an effort here at the church, I asked for you to look at what you're doing through the lens of how does it help us make new disciples? How does it help us make deeper disciples? I asked the same question here. If you're a part of an organization or an arm or an effort of this church, how is what you are doing helping to bring about the transformation of the world? And as we do that together, we will live into the fullness of who God created us to be and who we say we want to be as United Methodists and as a United Methodist Church. One of the beautiful things about the communion meal that we're going to share together in just a minute is it is not only a visual representation, but an act of reconciliation and of God's new creation. I mean, if nothing else, just think about the ingredients that went to become the bread or become the juice. There's a new creation that happened for us to have these elements. But even deeper still, that in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's transformation going on in our world. And as we come and share this meal, please hear the invitation to know God's reconciling love for you. And among you, among us, that in a minute we will all come and receive a piece of the same bread and dip it in the same cup and share in the body and blood of Christ together 
reconciled in him. I'd like to ask you now if you'd join me and Emily in the invitation to Holy Communion. It'll be up on the screens. We invite you to share in saying your part. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, 